Welcome to Convention Pulpit, Wesleyan Voices Past and Present, brought to you through the Ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention. Visit our website for an entire library of great sermons and more information on this ministry, www.ihconvention.com. George Straub was one of the founding members of the God's Missionary Church Conference. In fact, in 1938, three years after their founding, he was elected as president, and he served as president of the conference for nearly 50 years. This sermon was preached by Brother Straub in 1976 at the Dayton Interchurch Holiness Convention. I know you will enjoy this wonderful message titled, According to the Power that Worketh Within Us. Father and our God, we come to thee this afternoon the best we know how in behalf of this service. Here is a great host of thy people. They have come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. There are people here today who are hungering and thirsting for more of thee. And Lord, that thou would somehow settle down upon us Walk in our midst. Breathe upon us the very, very blessing that we need in order that we may be able to go out and face a wicked, wicked world and let them know that there is an answer in Christ for every problem. May we ever point them to the Lamb of God, to the one who opened a fountain in the house of David for sin and for uncleanness. And that the whosoever will may come yet today. Lord, we praise thee for the entire scheme and plan of redemption. And pray that thy hand would be upon us. And that we may witness this supernatural, something out of the ordinary. That kind of a meeting, Lord, that we've always wanted to be in. We've always wanted to see and witness. Let this be that kind of a meeting today. Bless and meet the every need of the convention, financially, physically, spiritually, in every way. And then when the meetings are over, we will certainly render all praise unto thee for it in Jesus' name. Amen. This afternoon, I want you to get your Bibles, if you have them with you, and turn with me to the uh, second chapter of Kings, second Kings. I'm going to omit the first four verses in this chapter and break in down here at verse 5 for our scripture lesson. And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho came to Elijah and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold ye your peace. And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, 
And as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they two went on, and fifty men of the sons of the prophets went and stood to view afar off, and they too stood by Jordan. And Elijah took his mantle and wrapped it together and smote the waters, and they were divided hither and thither, so that they too went over on dry ground. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elijah, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elijah said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And I would like to draw your attention over here to the third chapter of the book of Ephesians. Reading from verses 19 and 20. And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that we might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Some time ago I was preaching in a meeting in the state of Maryland. We had a great service that night. God was there. And an elderly minister came in for this one-night meeting. I didn't know at the time that he was a preacher, but he was way along in years, sort of sagged from age. His hair was white. And he stood in the rear of the church, hanging on his cane. I had never met him prior to this meeting. And we got acquainted, made our acquaintance, and uh, during the course of our conversation, he drew my attention to this scripture. And I uh, never did really get over our conversation. He went on to tell me of the uh, early meetings and the yesterdays, for instance, down at God's Bible School and uh, over at Cincinnati, in the days of George B. Culp and those great warriors of the cross, told of the mighty movings of the Spirit and the manifestation of God then went on to point out to me here in this ninth of the 20th verse that my accomplishments or our accomplishments will only be according to the power that worketh in us. And brethren, this has sent me to my secret prayer closet numbers of times, even since I've been here. In other words, it's teaching us that much of the responsibility of producing and bringing about revivals depends on us and will only be according to the power that worketh in us. If you will study the book of Ephesians in its entirety, you will note that Paul was writing to the brethren. He's writing to the church. He's writing to those who are already making a profession and makes it clear, my friend, that the accomplishments will only be according to the spirit that worketh in us. Now, there is such a thing as uh, us creating an atmosphere wherein God can work. Many times we pass out our brochures, our handbills, our camp announcements, and even over the radio. 
We announce for special meetings. We tell the folk we're going to have a Holy Ghost revival. But brethren, there's a lot more to it than this. We need to condition our hearts for the manifestation and the outpouring of God's Spirit. Now I want to take you back into the scripture lesson before I bring you over here to the, uh, uh, the text uh, I lifted out of the book of Ephesians. Uh, you recall in the lesson I read to you there in 2 Kings chapter 2, uh, the Lord was about to take Elijah home. He, uh, he was the senior prophet. He's coming to the uh, sunset of uh, his earthly ministry or prophesying and had been blessed with a, with a uh, good servant, Elijah by name. And Elijah had been following along the way and it seemed like God gave Elijah insight as to that which was about to take place with the senior prophet. And really, uh, knowing that the head was to be taken from the church at that time, which was Elijah, Elijah wanted to be there to see this. Praise God. Brethren, he wanted to be present. He wanted to see what was going to happen and how the Lord was going to take Elijah to heaven. You know, along the way, he tried to get him to tarry there with the sons of the prophets, but he had uh, higher ambitions than this. He wanted to see the outcome of the, the senior prophet being taken to heaven. And when Elijah saw that he uh, was unable to shake that young man loose and uh, free himself from him and let him go on his journey, when uh, he saw that this was an impossibility, he looked at the young servant and he says, Elijah, what wilt thou that I shall do for thee before the Lord take me home? And I like the request. Hallelujah. Brethren, I almost feel like getting down right now and praying, Lord, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Praise God. You know the request he said that a double portion of thy spirit might be upon me. That ties in with my text over here that our accomplishments will be according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. In other words, Elijah, brother Elijah wanted to be a success for God. As far as he was concerned, he, uh, brethren, the word defeat was an obsolete word in his vocabulary. And he recognized the fact that if he's going to live the life of an overcomer and rise above uh, the things of the world and the opposition and those things that have a downward drag to them, he was going to need the mighty supernatural power of God and said, Lord, uh, let a double portion of my spirit, uh, thy, uh, of Elijah's spirit, be upon me. Now, uh, the Lord granted him this. I remember hearing Brother C.C. Mauer preach along this line years ago. If you will study the life of Elijah, he performed exactly eight miracles. And Elijah performed exactly 16. Hallelujah. Praise God, brethren. And so he's praying that the Lord would condition his heart for the takeover. He wanted to make it. And I believe, preachers, this is preacher's hour. I believe that God called you to make it. I believe God calls us all to make it. A few days ago and in the past months, I've had young preachers come to me 
And they said, now, Brother Straub, it looks like uh, going is hard out here and we're just not uh, getting uh, accomplished what we want to accomplish and we feel like we maybe better get back in the schoolroom again. Brethren, you can fill your head, hey man, with a letter and you can fill your head with a, a lot of schooling, but we're going to have to get beyond that. Praise God. It's going to take the mighty anointing, the mighty baptism, the mighty power of God if we're going to tear down the strongholds of Satan, brethren, and invade the forces of darkness and come out on the other side, a victor and a conqueror through him. Hallelujah, brethren. I feel like our God is the same yesterday. He's the same today, and he's the same forever. And my philosophy is, let's major in the spiritual. Amen. The other will come all right, but let's major in the spiritual. If we can get God, brethren, in this convention, and get God to fill us, and God to anoint us, hallelujah, and the world can see a little fire and glory and holy demonstration, it's going to create a hunger and an appetite and a thirst within for these things that you and I are enjoying today. Praise the Lord. Many times, Satan would approach us with the thought of toning down, use the soft pedal, ease up, and almost feel ashamed and embarrassed when the old saints shout. But it doesn't disturb me. If there's any one thing I like, it's to see God come down. And I have advocated, and I do advocate again today as a leader uh, in the church world, I advocate that every pastor uh, in times of problems, when the church machinery is squeaking and running dry, if we could only get God to come down, brethren, uh, Amen. And defrost and meld us down and meld us together, brethren. It would lubricate the bearings in the church house and things would run smoothly and souls will be converted unto him. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The spiritual, the spiritual. I remember some years ago, well, I'm broadcasting now, have been on the air for many years. And in the early yesterdays, I had a trio singing with me. And uh, one of them was Paul King's wife. How many know Paul King, Seal King? Well, she was converted in revival. I preached many years ago. And what a precious young girl she was. From the very word go, she began to walk in the light. She traveled with me. She said, Brother Straub, I, I want to comply with the standards of the church. God has sanctified my heart, and I want to be a light. I want to be a shining light in the dark world. And Lucille became all of that. And, of course, uh, I remember the, those times when she couldn't meet up to the, uh, buy the tight dresses she wanted. She'd make her own clothing in order to and not become approached to the cause of God. I remember she came to me with her dress before she hemmed it and said, Brother Stroud, hey man, you tell me where you want it. Hey man, I tell you, uh, that's what I call 
a willingness and uh, a wanting to do the thing that uh, would promote the work of God. And I can see why she went to the top as far as the spiritual was concerned. But she got blessed. She, uh, it didn't take much to turn her on when you got to preaching about the blood and about being sanctified and being filled with all the fullness of God. didn't take very much to turn her on. And it won't take much to turn you on. Amen, brethren, if you really have it. If, if you're a sanctified man or woman, you won't be finicky. Praise God, the preacher won't have to pick out certain portions. You will be able to chart from Genesis to Revelation. Hallelujah. Amen. The cry of your heart will be poured on, preacher. Poured on, poured on. And until we get that kind of an experience, we won't mount to very much in the kingdom of God, boys. Hallelujah. I'm broadcasting. They're singing. And uh, <laughs> there were those times in the studio when I, I could tell when the symptoms were coming on. Praise the Lord, I could kind of see when when, when she was about to overflow her well. Where's J.M. Sullivan? Amen. His well overflows occasionally. I wish yours would too. But anyhow, she's in there singing and, and I'm sitting off to the sidewalk. I don't remember what the song was, but I could feel the thing coming on. And But I'm getting a little tense. The announcer's sitting on the other side of the, the glass there and he's looking at her and looking at me and looking at her. And, brother, I tell you, I didn't know what to expect. The devil said, one more move, Brother Straub, and that'll be it. They'll put you off this radio station next week. Hey, Amen. But she went right on. Left the spirit of his way. And I'll tell you, children, if you sing in the spirit and pray in the spirit and preach in the spirit, it'll have some effect out there. Praise the Lord. It'll have its effect on someone out there. Praise the Lord. And so uh, we got through that meeting, and the devil rode me all week. He said, you, you've done ruined it. Will you get back to that station next week? Hey, man, will you get back there next week? You've done ruined the whole thing. They're not going to put up with that. But you know, when I got to the radio station the next week, brother, that announcer that I thought was frowning at it and turning it off and uh, uh, wishing the program was over, do you know what he said to me? He said, Reverend Straub, you know that broadcast last week was a dandy. Hey, man, he said, can't you put another one on like that this week? Praise the Lord. What I'm saying is this, brethren. It's the glory. It's the glory, brethren. Thank God, the glory. And I'd like to see a lot more of it and have a lot more of it. Praise the Lord. Hey, man, I would to God in our conventions we could have enough spirit to where you could burp out a few amens once in a while. Amen. And burp out a few glory to God's. And uh, where we could uh, lift and exalt and raise uh, our voices in praise and adoration to the Christ of the cross. Amen. Our accomplishments will only be according to the spirit that possesses your heart. You talk about tri-meetings. In the days of Elijah when the famine was on. That was the conversation of the day. Oh, how dry it is around here. Oh, isn't it dry? Isn't it dry, Tom Reed? 
Oh, how dry, how dry. My, how dry, how dry around here. I hear that all the time. What are you doing to try to break that dearth and uh, that dryness up? Praise the Lord. Amen. All they were doing was talking about it. But dear old brother Elijah knew how to break it up. Thank God he knew how to turn the key on. And he knew how to turn it off. Hallelujah. I was a preaching on this one time in a meeting. And we Dutchmen, we kind of get things backwards once in a while. And I said when old brother Elijah went to turn this thing on, he got down and he got his knees between his head. Amen. And started to pray. Amen. No, he got his, he didn't get his knees between his head. I feel like he got his head between his knees. Thank God. He knew how to turn it on, brethren. And Elijah, Elijah knew he was going to need this. Brother, he wanted to be prepared for the hard places out there. We're not always going to be in an atmosphere like we're in this afternoon, preachers. Anybody can shout here. Anybody could testify here. If you can't get blessed here, you're mighty dead. Praise God. In an atmosphere like this. Amen. I tell you, I go to these conventions to get my battery charged. Praise the Lord. I come in for an oil change. Amen. And for an overhauling. Then I go out, like to go out and share this with the lost and with the dying. Now, I'm, I want you to note here, while I'm on this line of thought, I might just as well camp here for a little bit. Amen. There came a time when uh, the world knew that Elijah had received the double portion. It will show on you. Jesus said, he made a statement, and I want to pass it along to you. He said, whatsoever ye do in your secret prayer closet, that will I uh, manifest, will be manifested before the world. Whatsoever ye do in your secret prayer closet shall be revealed openly. Hallelujah. And if we could come into our churches and into our conventions and our camp meetings, brethren, uh, prayed up and filled up, uh, it would make going a lot easier. Hallelujah. Praise God, it would create an atmosphere uh, for the poor sinner to find God. Here's dear brother, here, here's dear brother Elijah. Brethren, he became the recipient of the double portion. And the king of Assyria was trying to uh, um, overtake Israel and placed his garrisons and his generals along the way. But it seemed like dear brother Elijah lived so close and near the heart of God until God could reveal his secrets to him. And the result was whenever they, the devil felt like he had his uh, snare and trap set for the king of Israel, brother, as he walked in the light of the message of the prophet, he was always a jump ahead of the devil. Now the Bible has something to say over in John, the epistles of John relative to the sanctified. Amen. 
He said, and the wicked one toucheth them not. Praise the Lord. Inferring that he tries to, but it's like us boys on the farm trying to catch grasshoppers. Brother, we'd sneak along here, you know, and we're trying to get grasshoppers and we're out here and just about the time we're ready to grab him, he's over here. Amen. You'd start back the other way and uh, now this time I'm going to get him and he's a jump ahead of us again. And so it is with a sanctified believer, brethren. Uh, the Spirit is always directing him uh, and keeping him hopping a jump ahead of the devil. Woo! Hallelujah. Praise God, I could get blessed right now. I'm a feeling mighty good. Are you with me? Now, the king said, we've got to do something about this. He said, who's betraying me? There's got to be a spy in the, in the group here. One of my several intelligence agents are... Uh, but they're, they're, uh, they're, they're giving us away. He said, one of them said, no, no, king. No, that man Elijah down there, he's got a double portion of spirit upon him. And believe me, that fellow lives so close to God. Amen. Anything you do, the Lord lets him in on the secret. Then the king said, where does he live? He said, over Dothan. And here's, a, here's the shouting point. Here's the shouting point. He said, you go over there and uh, wall the city in with my best troops. Wall it in and bring him back to me. And you remember that night? Hallelujah. Brother, out go the chariots and the horsemen and the steeds and brother, the glittering, the glittering swords waving in the air and and they've gathered around Dothan, and uh, everyone, uh, everyone is in his place uh, for the takeover on the morrow. When finally, dear brother Elijah, got up for an early morning prayer meeting, glory to God, took his young servant with him, and started out for a prayer meeting. And when he looked over around the uh, uh, the mountainside and along the ridges. He said, alas, my master. Oh, he said, what are we going to do? Look at the armies here, here and here and here and here. Now, here's the secret. Brethren, Elijah, Elijah never left this thing buckle his knees. And the servant is nothing but a, he's a jitterbug. He's all nerves. He solved the problem. And the you know, preachers, we got a lot of fellas see the problems. Amen. We see the problems, but haven't got the answer. Praise God. But dear brother Elijah looked at his young servant and he said, look here, son. Hey, man, I don't let this thing perturb you. He had more trouble getting that servant under control than he had taking care of the army. Now, the thing, that, the thing that's outstanding here is a whole army to take one holdless preacher. Can you imagine that? An army to capture one holiness preacher. <laughs> Brother, we'd soon weaken the troops. Wouldn't we soon weaken the devil's troops if it took a whole army to, to deal with one of us? Hallelujah. So Elijah, he said to the young servant, he said, now get down here. 
And uh, he looked up, calm and serene. He said, now, Lord, open this young fellow's eyes so that he can see. Ho, ho, ho. Brother, all the young preacher could see was the problem. But the old preacher, brother, he saw the problem and had a solution and had an answer and knew how to, uh, to conquer and subdue. Praise the Lord. And then one, one homeless preacher said, come on, boys. He captured the whole army and said, follow me. Oh, my brother, can you imagine that? One homeless preacher leading a whole crack army. Follow me. Woo! Praise the Lord. Our accomplishments will only be according, better according to the power that worketh in us. We have our splendid educators here, our choirs, quartets, trios, and whatnot. And I'm 100% in favor of our schools. We need them. But there's something the school won't do. It will take the altar. But it will take the mourner's bench. It will take the prayer closet. And that was so here with Elijah. No doubt this had been one of the sons of the prophets who had been a graduate from one of the schools, but he could see problems. But the old servant brother, he saw beyond the problems, thank God. I like that, don't you? Praise the Lord. We can be more than conquerors to him who loved us. There is absolutely, brethren, there's absolutely no substitute for the place of prayer. I was thinking this morning when Brother Shmuel was preaching relative to the great revival back here at Pentecost. If you will turn back to Acts chapter 4, uh, again, look at verse 43. There was a secret to this great revival. There was. And note here in verse 33, and with great power, emphasize that again, with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. I like that. With great power. And furthermore, children, we're not going to get very much accomplished with the thin, with the thin, weak testimony many of us give. Brother, it amounts to about this. In the meeting house, we jump up and say, saved and sanctified, and go down like there's a ton of lead in our pockets. And that's as far as we get. We're going to have to get up, brethren, with something, thank God, that's got spirit and life and juice and flavor and glory and seasoning at it. This is what the world's looking for. This is what the world's looking for. Talking along this same line on another radio station some time ago, the, uh, the gentleman in charge said to me, I had a Sunday morning broadcasting, or a Sunday morning broadcast on his station, and he said, Reverend, they were revamping programs, and I didn't know what he was going to do with ours. They were taking, they were changing the whole uh, setup. He came to me one day and he said, Reverend, I want to give you more time. I want to give you more time. He said, I'm not going to worry about these programs that, uh, he said, that follow you. I'll just push them all back. I want you to take more time in our station. 
He said hippieism, in other words, uh, is seemingly uh, has uh, crowded its way in, and this is uh, what uh, they have on here. And he said, we're running the people off. We're running them away. Brother, what he's telling me is this good old-time religion still is the thing that many hearts love and like out there. And I say, God bless you, Tom Reed. Give me a lot more of it. Hallelujah. I tell you, I like something that's got a lot of God in it and a lot of juice. I'm like the old, the colored preacher I got saved under. He said, give me mashed potatoes with gravy on, and it's much better. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. With great power, with great power, gave they witness. You know the two things here Paul is drawing uh, the Ephesians' attention to. First is God's measureless power. Oh, brother, when I'm thinking of power, there's no limit, there's no bounds to the operation of God. We think of hard cases. There is no such a thing as a hard case with God. He specializes in hard cases. I did a revival quite some time back. and Sitting up on the platform of the pastor, he said, George, I want you to kind of look across my congregation here. He said, over here is a gentleman. He said, you see that bald-headed fellow sitting over there? He said, he's a hard hard man. He actually has crossed the deadline. As far as I'm concerned, nothing stirs him, nothing moves him, nothing helps him. He has hindered his family dozens of times. They start, but they don't last very long because of the strong opposition encountered from their father. As I get up behind that sacred desk, looked across that congregation a few nights, I said to myself, George, are you preaching to a man that has crossed the deadline? Is this man damned as much as he's going to be damned uh, on this side of eternity? And I could hardly accept that. I left the pulpit heavy-hearted that night, went home to my prayer closet, began to pray, asked God to help me, and I made him the subject of prayer, the hard case. The man that should have crossed the deadline. I'm making him the subject of prayer. And I noticed a night or two later, brethren, a few tears begin to form in his eyes. Hallelujah. The Spirit said, I'm getting to him, son. Hold on to the horns of the altar. Don't ease up too easily. Hang on. Praise God. Brother and I went right back. And I held on, and I held on. And in another night or two, you could feel the spirit deepening. And without any coaxing, somehow God worked a miracle in that man's heart. He left that seat. He came over, took his place at the altar. Brother, it went beyond anything the church ever dreamed of. And he prayed through. It became the talk of the countryside. And all told, I think that revival went on about four months. Hard cases. I'm talking about hard cases. Our accomplishments will only be according to the Spirit, brethren, that worketh in us. 
in me, in you. Oh, that brings to my attention. There's a responsibility resting upon us preachers. There's a responsibility. Here are multitudes of dying people and they need help from God. I notice again as I hasten along here in the lesson, uh, Paul not only is drawing our attention to God's measureless power, but he speaks of his endless glory. I would like to, uh, I would like to relate this to you. It's fresh in my own mind. A few weeks ago, we had our indoor camp at Penn's Creek. It was a, uh, in, uh, uh, an indoor winter camp meeting and school revival come by. We'd only gone on a night or two or three in the meeting and had our morning services up in the chapel for the benefit of the school. And, uh, oh, how God settled down. Brother, things was kind of dry around there. Things were sagging, and I was becoming perturbed about the whole thing. I felt like we had gone long enough and far enough without a moving and a... Uh, manifestation of God. Brethren, and when, uh, when God ceases to come down, then there'll be all kinds of disciplinary problems, and uh, then there'll be uh, thou shalt not, and uh, there'll be fence building, brethren. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, bringing the kids in. Now, you can't do this, and thou shalt not do this. You know, one night uh, during the course of the meeting, I was just about ready to leave the tabernacle, and I saw some, a whole group, a nice group of our young folk coming in. It was cold. Some had coats. And others had blankets. And I looked at the children. I wanted to know what they wanted to do. The meeting was over around 10 o'clock at night. And uh, what, are you, what, are you, what are you up to? What, what does this represent? They said, Brother Straub, you know, God has laid a burden on our hearts for Penville. We want a revival among our young folk. We want a revival. Oh, George, we want a revival. Some of them had already gotten in, saved and uh, sanctified. But here's a, that whole school student body out there. And all for a revival. And I was turning the heat back to conserve oil. And when they unburdened their heart and they said, we're going to have some all-night prayer meetings, the boys in one room and the girls in another, I said, God bless those young folk. They've got a lot of energy and They've got a lot of strength that I haven't got. And uh, if this is what they're, they want to do and this is uh, their motive, I'll turn them loose and turn the heat up. Brother, that's cheap fuel for a prayer meeting. Praise God, I tell you, I'd fill that tank every day to keep an old-fashioned all-night prayer meeting going. Here it is power and here it is strength, brethren, and here it is the answer to the problem. Hallelujah. And the children prayed and went back up to the chapel. I think in one week, we had one preaching message in the chapel, one preaching message, and God took over till there was absolutely no way or place uh, for a preacher to get a message in. They're coming. Some of the students set their goal to get every student in their class saved and sanctified. They came to me one day and they said, in our class, George, they're all in for two. Hallelujah. And we're going to hold on until those two get in. Brother, that's what I enjoy. Amen. It takes the Spirit of God 
plus the problems between teachers and and students. While that fire was burning, it seemed like it had practically almost swept me off my feet. I remember one morning I was standing up behind the, uh, the desk when several of the teachers slipped around me. One of the, one of the teachers said, Brother Straub, 40 years ago I had an experience. Oh, it was supernatural and I'll never forget that. But he said, uh, along the years, I, it's been a long time since I ever witnessed anything like this. And he said, I want to make a confession to the student body. Then I'm going to the altar and repent all over again. And while he's doing that, another one came. And you talk about God settling down and God coming in. Brother, it changed the whole atmosphere, the whole complexion of everything. And it'll do the same, brethren, in your school. It'll do the same in our churches and in our camp meetings. Praise the Lord. Oh, that God would help us. I don't know how you feel today, but I'm going to cast a vote, brethren, for the old-fashioned way. I'm up the highway too far. I've gone too far. I better just settle down to be good and not a hot, not hot and alive and on fire for God. And here's where we are in the church world. We've got people who are who are uh, good people, moral people, but they've settled down to be good and not alive and on fire for God. And what we're going to need is a shake our to shake ourselves, brethren. We might do well to get into the clearinghouse in this convention and examine our hearts and let there be a going down before God like we haven't witnessed in many a day. Is my time up? He said, after I get through, I want to hurry here. Over in the, in the book of Leviticus, I'm going to skip a few points here. In the book of Leviticus, they had what they called the Feast of Atonement. Uh, it really was called the the Feast of uh, Affliction. And this was the uh, perhaps the greatest uh, day of all the feasts. It was a day of heart searching for both the priest and the people. It was the day when the priest himself went into the clearinghouse before he entered into the Holy of Holies to sprinkle the blood meant something for a priest to go in there, brethren, out of victory. meant something for him to go in there, brethren. The bells would have soon ceased ringing around his robe had he attempted to go in there playing the part of a hypocrite, being uh, defiled with certain things. But as long as he was in there performing his priestly duties and the congregation could hear the bells ringing on the, uh, the base of his... Uh, Oh, brother, I tell you, there's a good feeling on the outside. And there's a mighty good feeling goes on, brother, in the camp when the bells are ringing in my heart and ringing in your heart. But this was to be a feast of affliction, of a fasting and going down before God. Brethren, they, they, were, they were shut out of the camp if they didn't do it. Had to go down before God and search their hearts and examine their hearts. Not examine their brethren. But go down before God and examine their own hearts. And make sure there was nothing between them and God. I want you to know this morning, brethren, it doesn't take very much to ground out the Spirit of God. It doesn't take much to tie up a revival. I remember a community where there were folk at loggerheads, had a pine tree that only cost about three dollars. 
closed a church and tied up a community for around 11 or 13 years and never turned a peg, brethren, until those men made an adjustment. My God, help us this morning. It shows me that it doesn't take very much to defeat the cause of God. But there's such a thing as going through the clearinghouse. And I'm going to illustrate this with my closing point here. Some years, about a year or two ago, Brother Earl Dietz and I were going south. We get into the Baltimore airport one night, and uh, oh, probably 12 o'clock, and taking a flight for Orlando, Florida. We're tired and weary. We get in there, and quite a number had already gone through the uh, the, um, the 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 clearing area there. And come, Brother Deets, he took the lead. He walked in ahead of me. No problem, no trouble. But when I walked through, brother, that old buzzer began to buzz. The officer said to me, he said, sir, he said, lay your coat over there on that table. So I laid my coat over on the table. He said, come around again. I walked around again, and the thing buzzed just as big as you please. Said something wrong, sir. You've got some heavy metal on you somewhere. So I took my coat off. Uh, no, he said, do you have any change or any metal in your pockets? Well, I had some change and a few things. So he said, lay it over on the table. I go over here, here's my coat, and here's my change. And uh, he said, come on through again, sir. And I walked through again. And uh, same thing, that buzzer buzzed just as big and loud and long as before. He said, try it again. He said, got anything else? Huh? Yes, I got some pens, and I, I, I got a few things here. And he said, uh, lay that over there. So I tried it again. And by this time, I tell you, I'm getting tense. Everybody's looking at me like I'm a hijacker. And I'm, I tell you, I didn't know what to make of this. Uh, uh, here, here were there are some colored folk here and white folk, and they're going to be on that same plane. And they weren't laughing either. I, I made another trip through there. So finally he said, you have any credit cards or any cellophane or anything on you? So I took my wallet. I laid it over there. And uh, he said, try it again, sir. And I, I walked through again. And the buzzer buzzed just as big and long and loud as before. Now I have my coat off and my pockets all cleaned out. And I said, sir, I... Man, I, I tell you, I, I didn't know. I, I was a victim of circumstances. I said, I, I don't know what more to do. Well, he said, uh, try it again. And I come around that thing and buzz just as big and long and loud as before. I'm going to the clearinghouse. Amen. Uh, th that's the point I'm emphasizing is trying to get to the clearinghouse and convince that fellow that I wasn't a hijacker. Amen. So here, here I laid my coat down, stand there, brethren. And uh, he looked at me and, well, he said, I don't know. He said, uh, do you ever operate on you, sir? I said, yes, I've uh, had a few broken vertebrae in my back and I had some operations. He said, did you ever put uh, any metal in you? Not that I know of. I said, no, I have no metal in me. And, uh, well, I said, now, since we're in this thing and out of my own curiosity, I want to know. I said, the only thing I can think of is I wear dentures and there's a little metal there. And I said, if you'll kind of excuse me, I'll just take them out. Amen. So I took my dentures out and tried it again. And the buzzer buzzed just as big and long and loud and clear 
as before. And I tell you, here I stand, everybody looking at me and some as uh, much as to say, he is a hijacker. Amen. But here I am, brethren, victim of circumstances. And finally, well, he, he saw I was an honest fella. He said, oh, I had to put the coat on. He said, there's only one conclusion that I can arrive at. He said, you've got some steel in you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I kind of thought that was a good compliment, wasn't it? I want to have a little steel in me. Plus a good backbone, brethren. Hallelujah. In order to proclaim this glorious gospel and lift up Jesus Christ as the captain of the army of our salvation, for in him there is an answer. Over in the at the garden tomb last year, I'll leave you go here in a minute. We had a an address given by a British Army general before we took our little tour through the garden. He said, gentlemen, he talked a little about religion and about what happened here 2,000 years and here 2,000 years ago. He said, what a wonderful blessing it is to be a child of God. And He said, I've been an army general. And he said, how awful, how terrible for a young man or men to be inducted in the armed forces and fight under a general that has lost every battle. Brother, he said, that's frustrating. That's terrible. But he said, I've got good news for you. Hallelujah. He said, we are as Christians, sanctified people. We are fighting under a general this afternoon, brother, that has never lost a battle. Praise God. And never will lose a battle. Momentarily, it looked like he did. Brethren, uh, there when Christ was in the tomb for a few days, uh, the cry of a high priest and the cry uh, of, uh, uh, of hell and demons was, Jesus of uh, Nazareth is dead. Jesus of Nazareth is dead. And looked like to the world he was dead. And the disciples were a bit disheartened and discouraged. Uh, but thank God, the uh, third morning, brethren, uh, he came out of the tomb and ascended the hilltop and tore down the black flag of hell and raised the, the blood-stained banner and cried out and said, Because I live, hallelujah, ye shall live also. Uh, brethren, we're fighting under a captain this afternoon. Uh, praise God that's going to see us through uh, if we walk in the light of his word. Hallelujah. Good side out, this come from him or hell. How many have the victory today? Stand, please. I don't want to take for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. I don't want to lose the fire. Thank you for listening to Convention Pulpit, a ministry of Inner Church Holiness Convention, featuring Wesleyan voices past and present. For more sermons or for more information, visit www.ihconvention.com. This ministry is made possible through the financial support of our listeners. You may give online at ihconvention.com or send your donation to IHC, Post Office Box 99, New Berlin, Pennsylvania, 17855 USA. Been I don't want to lose the fire. I don't want to lose the fire.